On this episode of the BYO Nano Podcast, this month, we're focusing on festivals and events. Summer is the season to get outdoors, mingle, and experience all that your town, state, or region has to offer. Fortunately, nano brewers are playing a big role in that space. This is John Hall, and welcome to episode 43. Before we start, a quick word on content. This show is for nano brewers, both existing and in planning. So tell us what you want to hear. What are the topics you want to learn more about? What issues are you interested in? And who are the brewers you want to hear from? Email us. It's nano at byo.com and tell us. And now on to the show. Beer festivals are at a crossroads right now. It's harder to get folks to come out and drink beer in a crowd, but there are chances for smaller breweries to make an impact in that setting. Chris Rhodes of Portland, Oregon's Nano Beer Festival is here to talk about that fest as well as best practices. And then we're going to hear from Matt and Emily Streisick of Knack Brewing in Illinois. They're getting real good at hosting small-scale events at their brewery that bring in artisans of all kinds, and with it, new customers. But first, a word of thanks to the show's sponsors, and we hope you'll give them a closer look. Fermentus. Everybody knows that yeast plays one of the most important roles in brewing. It influences flavor, aroma, acidity, brightness, and mouthfeel all at the same time, and brewing a lager is no exception. Discover Safe Lager, W-34-70, the strong and robust lager yeast. This famous strain comes from Weinstefen in Germany and is used worldwide within the brewing industry. It brings a good balance of floral and fruity aromas and gives clean flavors and high drinkable beers. It's available in 11.5, 100, and 500 gram sizes. For more info, visit fermentus.com. We're also brought to you by ABS Commercial. ABS Commercial is proud to be your full-service industry outfitter for over 10 years, offering brew houses, tanks, keg washers, and small parts to brewers across the country. They're in this business because they are brewers, and it's important for them to give back to the industry and to help brewers grow and prosper. This summer, ABS Commercial is giving back with two special giveaway prizes every month through August. Check out what they have in store and enter to win at abs-commercial.com. Also, you can get access to hundreds of hours of on-demand videos covering small craft brewery strategies with BYO's Nano Plus membership. Learn from craft beer experts, watching replays of past NanoCon seminars, plus a complete library of in-depth workshops. You'll also have full online access to all of BYO's digital content and an annual print magazine subscription. Check out byo.com slash nano plus for more details. And now let's get into the conversations. Chris Rhodes has been in the beer industry and involved in festivals for more than 20 years. Starting in 2001, when he began working for the Seattle and Portland International Beer Festival, something that he would continue to do for the next 13 years. He's worked for and with the Holiday Ale Festival, the Oregon Brewers Festival, and the Oregon Garden Beer Festival. In 2009, he was hired by Point Blank Distributing to be the draft manager, which led him to add 23 other events to his resume that he either operated or advised. 
In 2014, he started the Portland Craft Beer Festival. And in 2017, Oliver Manuel was looking to get rid of the Nano Beer Festival after a 10-year run. So Rhodes took it on and continued it at John's Marketplace in downtown Portland. He's going to tell us all about it. He joined me via Zoom. Chris, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. I, I wonder before we peel all back all of the layers on this onion, um, I wonder if you can sort of tell me from your perspective right now how you see the state of beer festivals where we sit in right. 2023. Well, you know, uh, they're kind of up, down, all around. Um I see the smaller ones actually being a little bit more uh, successful um, than the larger ones. Obviously, here in Oregon, we've lost uh, three major festivals, the Oregon Brewers Fest, the Holiday Ale, and the Ben Beer Festival. Um, If they return, it'd be great. But uh, it seems to me that the smaller uh, festival with the niches uh, are are somewhat kicking on and, and doing a little bit better as far as attracting people um, and getting those people out, it's it's really more about beer nerds. You know, a lot of the the beer uh, consumers out there um, who aren't really what I would consider a nerd, um, kind of taking festivals as a been there, done that thing. You know, um, so it's it's really hard to attract them. So then, what do you see as the reason that some of the smaller fests are? still kicking along is it just economy of scale is it yeah yeah so you know uh some of these bigger festivals from from a uh perspective of putting on uh you know uh there's six figures you know or or beyond just to put put together the parks the rentals um the, buying all of the beer uh it, it gets it adds up quite big i uh but then if you scale it down and go like our nano that we have um our our things is just in a couple thousand bucks for rentals, as well as you know we're sitting on private property at John's Marketplace, so we kind of get get out of uh, the city on that one, and and just reducing the cost, and then you can actually give a little bit more to the consumer by uh, reducing those costs as well. A little bit more, like what? But you know you can uh, more variety. Sometimes you can also get a little bit more with the niches. You can get a little bit more expensive beer because you're not uh, looking for at a a forty thousand dollar budget of beer, but you're looking more at like a ten thousand dollar budget of beer. So you can kind of uh, reduce that down, and and uh, you can also somewhat get the brewers involved a little bit more as far as preparing something for that festival specifically. Um, you know the larger festivals require. Uh, quite a big uh, amount of eggs and stuff. So a lot of that gets, as soon as it gets produced, it, it gets allocated out to either a distributor because a lot of guys, the big guys are are with them. Um, you know, the bottles and stuff like that, if you to do bottles and cans, it's a little bit easier for a smaller festival to attain those um, uh, when they're going to debut them and, and really showcase them. We've been in this weird... I don't know, part of life for the last couple of years because of the pandemic. Yes. And there were a lot of festivals before the pandemic. Uh, there's a lot that have not survived uh, since then or have been put on hiatus. Um, but we also have seen a good amount of breweries open 
in the last couple of years, especially during the pandemic when there weren't festivals happening. So this summer, it seems to be heating up a little bit more, uh, and I'm hearing about more that are on the horizon for for the fall. And hopefully, as we get into 24, it'll 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 grow in a in a meaningful way. Yes. But for small brewers that maybe haven't had the chance to do festivals yet, um, or a lot of festivals. From your managerial perspective, from your promoter and creator perspective, um, what are some things that breweries should think about before committing to a festival? Uh, I I would say stay local first. Um, You build up your fan base that's around you. A lot of people like to get a little fancy and they shoot off to uh, another state, a bigger city over there, down over there. And you're just kind of like, you know, you're a small, small brewery. Um, they can't attain your beverages on a constant basis. So the people that can get your uh, products are going to be within, you know, a good 10 mile radius of you. And so uh, work it out from there. Um, that's where you need to promote. That's where you need to um, showcase, tell people about yourself, uh, get into your local community papers and stuff. Um, that's that, getting that home base is just a, a really big establishment. Um, uh, word of mouth, uh, and you become a uh, kind of a, a local hangout, um, adds up in the long run um, for when you want to get larger. So by staying local with Fest, then you're going to be able to meet people who may be bit. kind of familiar with you already. Yes. Yeah. You know, uh, for our nano, it's funny. We we try to go out and I try to recruit people in Washington, Northern California, and Idaho. Um, but it's just really tough from a nano perspective. I mean, it's it's like, hey, load up all your beer, drive it all the way over. Um, it, it's it's kind of a a big deal, you know. It's not like they have a distributor that can send it over and 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 things like this. But uh, if you, you kind of stay to your local areas and your local um, festivals, um, you kind of establish more of a fan base and you get more people through your door in the long run. They show up at the festival, they try your beer, they love it, where you at. Um, you know, we require kind of everybody at our nano to kind of do a day, a brewer do a day at the festival. And some of them do all three just because it uh, really works out for them to uh to talk about their beer as opposed to have a volunteer uh, talking about them or doesn't even know about them really just there to pour a beer. So that kind of really kind of pushes it to a, a, a second tier of, of them being uh, acknowledged and uh, being seen. Yeah. And, and I, I think definitely being there, uh, not just sending beer to have a volunteer pour yep. uh, or somebody who's not sort of unfamiliar uh, with the brand. And obviously there's time commitments, uh, that, that, that go into it. And if you're at a festival, then you're not at the brewery, um, which can be tough for some folks, but, um, it's not just showing up and pouring and telling the story on the day of a festival. And what have you found are some best practices that brewers should be thinking about day of and during to, to really make the most of uh, you know, uh, if they're kind of, kind of get into the, I always think, um, you know, everybody loves a sticker. Everybody loves a little 
a, a little gimmick. It's kind of a weird thing to see, but you know, they take it home and they most likely won't stick it to anything or use it, but it's there in their face, you know. Um, it, there's also the fact, you know, that if you, from a, I guess from a brewer's perspective, really trying to get the knowledge is have a good story. Um, you know, have your story established and ready to, uh, to, to send out. A lot of people are just kind of like, oh, yeah, me and my buddy, we, we were homebrewers. We just got a license, you know. <laughs> How original. Yeah. 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 You know, it's just pretty basic. And, but you hear some other stories or, or you see some, um, you know, I have uh, I, the one I really love is, is uh, Mad Cow. Um, he's got, you know, pictures and stuff. And if you look at his, his thing, it's like he, I've been to his house and, and, and his den is his brewery. His, his shed is his uh, uh, cooler, you know. Um, and it's just kind of a, a guy that you could see a lot of dedication to with, with that stuff. And it, it just kind of connects you a little bit more if you're kind of a beer geek and kind of saying, okay, this guy's into it. You know, he might have something good. So it, I think it's a lot better than just, just saying I, I, I bought a building. It had a, had a little seven barrel system in it. And I thought it'd be fun. It's a funny, you know, fun hobby, you know, just like, you got to really show your passion and it, it carries over a lot. Um, and that can be hard to sustain and maintain on oh, yeah. fest days. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. You know, um, uh, nanos are, are kind of a, a different breed. They're, they're usually sometimes, you know, it, it might be their second job is, is the beer. Um, so getting a hold of them, you know, for those events and stuff is tough. And then, uh, even getting a hold of them regularly, you know, they're not used to seeing emails come come across their uh, their nano uh, beer festival emails. You know, they're like, right. what? someone's talking to me through here. You know, it's 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 just kind of a thing where they they uh, see most of our nanos that that do succeed in selling their beer. Um, you know, sell local as well, and have established uh, either a beer bar or a a, a bottle shop. And, you know, they sell regularly through there. Um, but other than that, they're not doing a lot of communication and a lot of media. They don't have a PR person, you know, so they kind of have to be their own PR. And yeah, have a kick kick that you have to add to your arsenal that even if you're not used to it is uh, is definitely do that. Get get your logo out, get your get your word out. And it's it's a it's a tough thing. There's a there's a lot to go into that second part. And yeah. And also having a pretty good elevator pitch for people who are just looking to get a quick pour, not only about your place, but also the beers that that you're serving. Yeah. Um, I think helps. Yeah. You know, they're, everybody's made a lager. Everybody's made a Hellas. You know, everybody's made a, a stout. And what sets you apart? What about hazy IPAs? Anybody made those yet? <laughs> too many now. <laughs> way too many. It's, it's insane. Yeah. But, but you're saying be unique? Be unique, um, you know, kind of, you know, a lot of homebrewers, when they do homebrewing, um, they kind of have the capabilities of, of you know, experimenting a little bit more than, say, a, a big brewer can. A big brewer can't screw up, you know, uh, a 28-gallon batch or, or beyond, you know, he's he's got to he's got to have that recipe down and, and have it come out just right, because otherwise you're just looking at a big loss. The nano's at a, at a little bit of an advantage. I mean, you can start really small, do it on a smaller scale, even than a nano is just your homebrew system. Say, hey, I keep producing this one beer using peppercorns and 
whatever and it comes out great and smooth and well you know keep doing that on your small system it's not gonna you know kill you too much to uh to, to do something other than what the big boys are doing um people really i, I notice in festivals uh seek out and search for uh those unique beers um whether it be by name or whether it be by taste, uh, they definitely want to see what the what the next thing is, what the next trend is, and who can make something that I haven't tried before. Um, yeah, as a consumer I, at beer festivals, I, I I love the fact that I can go around and, and taste these small little things and not have to have a full pint. Um, so I really really seek out uh, unique flavors. Yeah, I I go both ways on that. I, I when I would go and, and attend beer festivals. Um, I'd want to hear about what was getting people excited on the floor. And sometimes it was, uh, yeah. um, you know, as long as it was well-made, if it had crazy ingredients in it or just layered nuance or whatever, uh, word gets around among the serious beer drinkers of what you should line up and get a taste of um, and, and, and who's pouring it. But then towards the end of the night, I always find that the brewers that have brought a really good, reliable pale ale or that Hellas, or yeah. just something that is not going to kill my palate, but is going to you know, deliver good beer refreshment. Um, and sometimes I, I, I want as well. And yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say, you know, sometimes uh, a brewer can really showcase his abilities by uh, making a basic beer, but making it really good. You know, um, that kind of just shows that, hey, okay. This guy's not just throwing stuff around. He he can actually make a a, a true, you know, IPA or a true uh, something that's uh, to to the core of its uh, uh, basic flavors. Agreed. Um, so you have the elevator pitch. You have the 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 beers that are going to surprise and delight. Um, you're you're steeled up, ready for uh, for the full day uh, at, at the fest. Uh, it goes well. What's the good follow-up action that brewers should take after the tent comes down and the crowds go home? What 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 do you encourage them to be thinking about in the days after a festival? Uh, the, the first thing, so something that we do at our festivals, uh, we we kind of bring in um, uh, media for uh, kind of a free judging, um, and we let them come around and taste and stuff. And when a media person comes around and and, and you know those are kind of when they introduce themselves uh, take down their number they're willing to give it take down their email you know um take down kind of a, a notice and say hey can i follow up with you and can i show you my stuff uh, later on on a, a kind of a personal basis um when you make that personal connection you, you kind of get a little bit ahead and, and there's chances that articles will be written about you um on on a, a, even a nano level yeah you know um uh, New School Beer does a really good job of attacking some of those uh, uh, nanos that come out and including them in some form. They can't maybe write a whole article about them, but they're like, hey, here's seven new seven new nanos coming this way. You know, it's it, it really it really pops them up and, and uh, gets them gets them going. Uh, the other one, uh, you know, after a nano, um, like I said, staying local, I've seen a lot of success is. Um, the people hitting the local farmer's market, staying out there week after week um, and getting their beer out. Um, 
I think that really establishes them as well as far as like, hey, they're not just over here or they're not hidden on a shelf. Um, they're they're forward and front. And it's a place where a lot of the big brewers don't don't attend, you know. They're all about the tap rooms and a bar. They've they've yeah. that privilege. So I've noticed a couple breweries here um in town that just kind of hit the local farmers market and you know, they're bought up. They're they're being sold out uh, each time, every Sunday, you know. Yeah, I think definitely having, as you mentioned, sort of that that contact information um, readily available to go uh, email sign up sheets, I think, you know, for yep. consumers as well. And then having a regular uh, email list that goes out. It doesn't have to be daily uh, or multiple times a day, but even if it's just a monthly thing of, you know, monthly hey, that we have going. To- yeah. yeah. Nobody wants to be inundated after they've seen their, you know, 15th email and, you know, they're just <laughs> like, ah, gosh, leave me alone. Give me the uns- unsubscribe, unsubscribe. As opposed to when you're just like, hey, you know, we're going to be in your area and we're, we're selling that beer you loved at, a, at the fest, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um. So tell me about NanoFest. Oh, well, well, NanoFest is, uh, we, we, have really enjoyed it. Um, it actually originated uh, over at Max Fano Creek with uh, Oliver Manuel, who still remains uh, a part owner. Um, Max Fano, of course, went out of business over in Tigard, and uh, Oliver took it over to John's Marketplace uh, to keep it going. Uh, Rob and Paul over at John's Marketplace have just been really inviting. Um, they've even let us, you know, kind of do, we've actually started to do multiple locations as they've grown. Uh, with the Nano Beer Festival, and they've just got a Beaverton one, so stay tuned. We'll try for that someday. Um, but uh, Oliver kind of uh, was looking to hand it off to somebody who liked to do festivals, had the passion, and really wanted to promote um, the small brewers. He really thought that these this is the the pathway for um, for big brewers um, to come up, and this was kind of an easier pathway for them to take is to start, start small and then grow big. And um, we took it over in 2018 um, and, or 2017 and started uh, just contacting these nanos and, and they're just, they're, they're your local buddies. They become friends really quickly. They're not overwhelmed and too busy for you like a, uh, like a big brewer would. Um, they kind of contact you and you contact them and you just start talking like, like your best buddies for the last 10 years. And it's, it's really great to see them that their, their enthusiasm and stuff. And so when they show up for festivals, um, they're really stoked. They're really, Hey, it's their kind of their foot in the, uh, in the door for the, um, the beer world. And so you get a lot of uh, uh, enthusiasm that you don't necessarily get with the big brewers that just have PR people that, or salespeople that handle that for them. Um then watching the nanos for the most part that we've seen over now just the course of the years that we've had it, uh, watching them kind of grow. We've seen a couple mature and get some big brick and mortars. Uh, uh, Brewery 26, Pono, uh, you know, we saw uh, uh, some ciders uh, that grew and and uh, even, pub, you know, like Public Coast is like the guy started out of a garage and now he's got a, a beautiful spot in Cannon Beach, you know. It's just, it's really fun to watch them grow. It's sad to see them uh, uh, not become nanos anymore, but at the same time, uh, it's good to share their success stories to the next nano. 
and and hopefully connect them with those people and they they really find a way of talking and those nanos that grow um have a way of coming back to that smaller scene and saying okay guys here's what i did here's what here's the mistakes i made don't do this do this you know so it's been a very good uh connection and it's been a little bit more um grassroots as far as the beer world that i i've been in before you know I dig that. I like, I like hearing that. And it's one of the cool things about the nano segment is that, that grassroots, that return to small batch, being able to uncover something, um, you know, that is just, it's not necessarily going to be on a store shelves and you have to seek it out. So I think fests like yours are, are a lot of fun because it puts a lot of those beers and a lot of the, that energy in yes. the same room in, in 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 the same place what what do you feel as the consumers the 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 ticket holders what do you feel like they get out of a fest like yours when they're leaving well you know um they get a lot of knowledge uh that's kind of the crazy one is uh with the brewers being behind the scenes uh and pouring the beers um they get a little bit more knowledge as far as uh, how things are made, how things are established, how, how flavors are, are kind of derived and what works and what doesn't. Um, it gives them that, that extra knowledge that they just don't get at, at like either a large beer fest where um, a volunteer is just pouring for them or at a, a large beer fest. That's just, you know um, it's got a line. So the line is so, so big that they like hey, get your beer, move on. Uh, here at the Nano, it's kind of like stay for two minutes, talk, you know, hang out. The the brewer can still pour for other people, and he kind of gets a crowd in front of him, and he just starts talking. And it's it, it's to see that intimacy of um, the brewer and the consumer uh, get together. Um, I've seen uh, consumers throw out ideas to to the brewers, and the brewers are like, "That that's brilliant. I'll, let's I'll try that." You know? Yeah. And that's that's kind of like you get this tit for tat, and when you can get a consumer involved in in the creation of beers, you, you've got a fan for life, you know. That's awesome. Um, do you have a date for the next fest? So we are trying for the Labor Day weekend of uh, Nano Beer Fest at John's Marketplace in Multnomah Village. Um, it's going to be uh, I got to look at a calendar, but it's that Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, Labor Day weekend this year. Yeah, it's a yeah. Labor Day weekend. We'll let everybody have that Monday off to recover and relax. And <laughs> um, it's generous of you. It's kind. Yeah, of, we've yeah. noticed. Uh, you know, we used to run it in the spring on a regular basis, and we also ran a winter festival uh, at their Powell um, location of John's Marketplace. We've just noticed that you know there's a big difference in um, the 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 sun. The sun does amazing things as far as bringing people out. <laughs> Um, you know, when you're, even if we're, we're all covered, we had most of our fest in the winter inside, uh, running off the taps inside and stuff, but it's just, it's a different entity when it's out raining and they're like, oh, I'd rather sit by my fireplace and just sip a beer here than, you know, and they're not quite sure. So we've kind of tried to move that off of that spring, um, area in end of April. Cause we've had some We've had some flooding, in fact, you know, at one time where we had to put pallets down, everybody's sitting on pallets, sure. sitting on water. So we've just, we've just said, you know, let's, let's find a good time where it's still sunny. It's still uh, bright out and people um, really like to uh, end the summer with, you know, the last of the festivals that come out before it kind of 
becomes a little bit dormant for about six months. So that's always a good one. I like that. Um, Portland's always a good decision, no matter the time of year. But I think if you have an opportunity to go and experience a fest like this, where you can uh, really see Oregon's cool beer culture, but on the small scale, yes, Labor Day weekend is 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 where you want to be. Um, yes, <laughs> Chris, thanks so much for 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 taking time, sharing insights, and oh, thank you for, for me all you're doing in the in the nano space. I love it. I love it. Thank you very much for letting me share. It's uh, it's always good to get these guys out. And if if I could do anything more for them, it's 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 always a pleasure to to have a little bit of a uh, a part of watching them grow and 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 f- follow their dreams. Really, this is what they're doing, and it, you know it's really tough to get uh, a brick and mortar established with a big big brewery and a crew. And this is a great way to enter into the nano world uh, and into the beer world. And um, when you get to watch them grow just based on success of uh, kind of promoting them yourselves. Um, it, it feels good. It feels really good. I like it. Well, I'm glad they have an advocate in you. Um, Thank you. Thanks. Thanks again, Chris. Thank you so much, sir. More in a moment, but first, Thanks to this episode's sponsors. I hope you'll give them a closer look. Fermentus. Everybody knows that yeast plays one of the most important roles in brewing. It influences flavor, aroma, acidity, brightness, and mouthfeel all at the same time. And brewing a lager is no exception. Discover Safe Lager, W-34-70, the strong and robust lager yeast. This famous strain comes from Weinstefen in Germany and is used worldwide within the brewing industry. It brings a good balance of floral and fruity aromas and gives clean flavors and high drinkable beers. It's available in 11.5, 100, and 500 gram sizes. For more info, visit fermentus.com. We're also brought to you by ABS Commercial. ABS Commercial is proud to be your full-service industry outfitter for over 10 years, offering brew houses, tanks, keg washers, and small parts to brewers across the country. They're in this business because they are brewers, and it's important for them to give back to the industry and to help brewers grow and prosper. This summer, ABS Commercial is giving back with two special giveaway prizes every month through August. Check out what they have in store and enter to win at abs-commercial.com. Also, you can get access to hundreds of hours of on-demand videos covering small craft brewery strategies with BYO's Nano Plus membership. Learn from craft beer experts, watching replays of past NanoCon seminars, plus a complete library of in-depth workshops. You'll also have full online access to all of BYO's digital content and an annual print magazine subscription. Check out byo.com slash nano plus for more details. Now into the brew house to talk about how small events can have a big impact on a nano brewery. Emily and Matt Streisick wanted their town of Kankakee, Illinois to care about beer, so they created Knack Brewing. It's a familiar story, as Matt will explain in a moment, but the brewery, in short time, has become a hub for the community. They say they want the brewery to be a place where beer education is promoted and that everyone who walks through the door can be a part of revitalizing the community. The events, as you'll hear, are a big part of that. They joined me via Zoom from the brewery. What inspired you both to to jump from hobby 
to full-time professional brewery business? Sure. Well, M didn't really want to do this. <laughs> uh, Smart. Had, yeah. yeah. I had to be heavily convinced at about nine months pregnant with my second daughter that this was something that Matt we, timing, we man. Yeah. He know. no, that I, I think he <laughs> picked the best time because I was so tired. I was like, okay, will you shut up? And then I'll just say yes. Yeah, like, it's a classic fine. case of just wearing her down until she's like fine. Fully. Wow. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I was just really tired. It's a classic, super unique story of someone that hates their corporate <laughs> job that, you know, decides they want to start their own business. Um, and now we live in partial squalor, um, you know, <laughs> left a pretty well-paying job to uh, hardly make any money. But you know what? I, uh, I don't hate myself anymore. So <laughs> that's helpful. Quality of life. I, sure. And, and that's not a unimportant thing, um, sure. to, to have the good quality of life, but to, to, to launch something and yeah, it, it's always a home brewer wanting to, to experiment or, you know, go, do their own thing. Like I, I know it's not a unique story, but every brewery can be unique into itself. Mm-hmm. And I wonder what you both wanted knack to be as you were conceiving this idea and if that's still true today. Yeah. I think for us, um, it was really important to serve our community because there's not enough breweries in the area. We're really drinking establishments, yeah. establishments at all. And we have a, actually Kankakee is in like revitalization, revitalization mode. And, um, we're right next to the river, the Kinky river. Um, so for us, it's like, why wouldn't we have more of this kind of cool stuff for friends? We have like a very supportive family friend life, um, and local like government and everybody is just, yeah. it, it was really, a, a not a hard push basically for Kankakee. It has been nice in the sense of, because we're in this revitalization mode, the city basically lets us do whatever we want within reason. Um, but, you know, you hear horror stories of, of breweries opening up and they have uh, issues with wastewater and they have issues with utilities and um, issues with permitting with local government. And they've been embracing what we're doing. Um, so that was, uh, you know, from a from a community perspective. Yes, that's pretty much the same. And then I guess the 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 big thing that sort of sparked it is I was just kind of tired of, of, for lack of a better term, sort of mediocre beer. Um, you know, the, the home brewer to, to pro brewer or whatever you want to call us thing. Um, I, I feel like the home brewer has little actual knowledge of, of what actually happens in a brewery. Um, and they probably get pretty gassed out pretty quick. It is a lot of work. Um, and I feel like they cut a lot of corners and they just don't have the um, sort of the engineering knowledge, which I don't, but I'm, I'm very focused on DIY. So I try to put out incredibly quality products um, with all of the sort of nuances of, um, you know, cleanliness and hygiene, which is sort of inherently there in brewing, but it kind of goes beyond what you know um, from like a, a home brewer perspective. You know, for instance, keg cleaning is a great example. We don't have a keg washer. <laughs> um, so I've, I've built one three different times. Um, 
just by learning different things like, oh, shoot, I, I wasn't evacuating my kegs with uh, with oxygen. So when I was shooting the caustic up in there, it was pretty much neutralizing. So I wasn't cleaning my kegs uh, properly. Um, and, I, you know, in the spear is also an issue. I know a lot of home brewers will build their own sort of commercial keg washer and they'll neglect the spear. So you have the, you know, the housing will be all clean, but then the spear is all dirty. Um, so I guess just paying attention to detail um, is sort of what I wanted to do. And I feel like homebrewers really don't get a lot of respect from the professional side, uh, especially when they take the jump because of sort of neglecting these nuances that are really important to quality um, and shelf life and things of that nature. Yeah, because and, and, and just geographically, where in the state are you all? Yeah, so we're an hour south of Chicago, um, pretty much a straight shot. And we're um, we're like 20 miles west of the Indiana border. Gotcha. So the local officials that are supporting you in the revitalization and the, the tourism board, I mean, they can look to clearly Chicago and the suburbs. They can look to, uh, I mean, Indiana's got a pretty robust um, yeah. brewing scene these days, uh, you know, even Northwest Indiana and, and, and that Western part of the state um, to say nothing of the capital. Um, mm -hmm. ha has that helped? Um, Honestly, the I think groundwork the that those breweries have laid to say, okay, sure, yeah, we want to. I think so. Well, honestly, I don't, I don't, because I, I do feel like, I think it's the case across the board governmentally, you know, we have to report to the state and the, oh. the feds and they, you know, the feds want you to report in barrels, the state wants you to report in, in gallons. So that's kind of a miss, but anyways, yeah. That's so the nice thing is because we're so underserved um, and the crap brewing is sort of a new thing to the area. We've been able to kind of lay the groundwork for like, I, we have, they, they specifically designed a, a liquor license for us um, as a, I guess, quote unquote microbrewery. Um, but at the same time, they have like um, Brickstone to look to, which is. Yeah, we do have a, a very um, big production brewery. Like in 10 minutes the town in Bourbon A. Um, and also like just with the grant and stuff, I think it was easier to argue why we deserve a little bit of money because a brewery can do so much for an area. Like you look at like Three Floyds and all these yeah. other little places that are kind of close to us and how much tourism they've brought. And I think that was beneficial for us, mm -hmm. for government. Yeah. And has that helped given give you guys it's so hard to launch a brewery these days and to operate a brewery these days and 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 we all know that but um having that local support um from the powers that be and you know even with you know, pockets on them um has that taken some of the burden off while adding additional pressures yeah i would say so um I mean, the, the, I guess the big, the unique thing that we've done is we've done everything um, very frugally. Um, so we, we finance pretty much the whole thing ourselves with the exception of some small money here and there. Um, but we, you know, if we can't afford it, we don't do it sort of thing, or we find a way around it. Um, you know, obviously it's still gotta be quality from a, from a beer perspective, we don't jeopardize that, but I guess just the, um, you know, from a taproom setting and, uh, like we're finally putting a patio on after a year. It's literally just been like a gravel pit with a, a snow <laughs> fence. I'm surprised that anyone goes back there. Um, what's a, what's a good example of frugality that's worked out so far for you all? 
honestly, I mean, our system is very small. We, I found a, a one barrel Blickman free vessel with a Herms coil used locally, um, ended up doing multiple turns because basically our seller, we have like six barrels of seller capacity. Um, and we do a lot of, I mean, I, I try to do as much lager as I can and I don't jeopardize the sort of the time there. I don't, I don't ferment warm. I, I don't, you know, put out three, four week lagers. Um, but we've sort of been able to kind of make it work mm-hmm. um, without, we, we haven't bought any, any equipment really since we opened a year and a half ago, give or take, or since we at least started brewing. Yeah. Um, and that's sort of been working out, you know, and it gets to the point where it's like, all right, well, we need to sell more somehow. Um, we can only fit so many people in our tap room. I don't know if you've seen how big we are, but it's our capacity is 41. Um, and it's, uh, I think we're at like 800 square feet of actual sitting <laughs> space. It's very, very small. Um, but yeah, we just, we just opened, or we just bought a crowler machine and that was used, I guess, frugality wise, we do, I do I, every morning I, I, I get up, make coffee, and then I'm on pro brewer classifieds looking at whatever I can buy <laughs> used in, within a reasonable distance to pick up. That makes sense. Um, so for those, uh, precious seats that you have, uh, I'm not going to say precious few, but, um, for the, uh, uh, for the intimate seating that you have, um, obviously you want people to come in for the beer, but, um, given where you are, given your connection to the community, um, and just, you know, I think breweries are always trying to figure out ways of getting new people in the door. And once mm-hmm. they're there to stay a little bit longer, um, what has been working for knack event wise, uh, you know, special, special occasion wise, and how do you approach that? Um, well, so M does a lot of the, the event planning. Um, and basically what we do there, you know, it is an underserved area. There's a lot of, um, you know, basic chain restaurants, things of that, that nature, but there are a handful of entrepreneurs that have started small businesses, whether they be tattoo shops or, um, like vintage resale shops or restaurants, pottery, all sorts of different things. So I'm actually, um, sort of manages the relationships with those people. And then we, she thinks of events. Actually, I, I haven't really have not had a hand in any of the events. So I, I guess go ahead and, um, you know, talk through some of your favorites and, and what you've actually done to make them unique. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember the first event we like really had that we saw success with was another um, like a local tattoo artist. Um, And the turnout was just like absolutely insane. I think we were kind of blown away. Like, how are all these people at our place right now? But um, (laughs) luckily we turned our whole like parking lot into um, just kind of a hangout. And that was like our first thing. And after that, we kind of, it just like sparked something like, okay, duh, like, collabs are kind of everything for us um so reaching out from there I was just like okay who else has like a big following or people that don't normally come into the brewery because that is how you gain business right so then we yeah jump to like a local potter that has like a following literally um countrywide she just sells out in like minutes and she lives right next to Kankakee you know so it was like, duh, absolutely. Let's do that. She made like um, handmade, we call them Krugs because they yeah. were like just like a ceramic a stein. stein, but yeah. it was just like, 
Okay, this is where we need to lead so those local are the, makers. Yeah, and those the unique, I guess the facets would be like, we collaborate on a beer. I pretty much hate putting food in beer, but they typically involve, you know, <laughs> some sort of fruit or whatever. Um, you know, so we, we take the, the, their brain and, you know, whatever they want, if they're inspired by a dessert or a, a specialty drink or something, we try to craft a beer based on that. And then if they're makers, we'll have them make sort of a, a one-off piece. Um, like with a tattoo artist, she did a graphic and we had shirts made up. Those sold incredibly well, um, which is funny because our, our actual branded brewery shirts are, they do not sell super, super well. <laughs> um, but we just these need ones more collabs. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, and then we'll have some sort of event piece. There'll, there'll be raffles typically. Um, we had a, a pride event recently where there was like a... Um, uh, like a trivia thing. We actually had some Queens out to, to perform, which we're, we're South of 80. So the, the political climate here is pretty red. Um, so we're very nervous about any sort of backlash, but I mean, we, we got none, no, no trolls online. Um, great. No yeah, one doing great. anything nasty. Stay under your bridges. Yeah. Basically, yeah. And then food trucks are always involved. We actually have our own, my parents ended up buying a food truck um, when we, saw that there was like a 20 to 30% increase in revenue when we had one out and we were having trouble um, actually booking these guys because the summer, I guess uh, they book pretty quick, mm -hmm. pretty far out. Yes, they do. Um, so the I entrepreneurial think, spirit runs in the family then? Yeah. My dad actually owned a mobile car detailing company in California for 20 years. And um, yeah. yeah, I guess they're all workhorses, basically. Yeah, is what he's we don't ever saying, sit down so is what, the problem. It does work. <laughs> <laughs> um, how has the synergy been with uh, with the with the family food truck then? It's been uh, pretty good. So they, um, you know, working with family is always relatively difficult. We kind of just let them do their own thing and they do our own thing. Um, they incorporate some of our beer into, into the, the food. Um, whether it be cheese sauce or, you know, brats or it, it's, it's pretty, uh, I guess it's pretty basic fare um, with some, some sort of, um, I, I guess, themes from like, a, you know, Cinco de Mayo, the most appropriating yeah. holiday of them all. They did nachos. Um, <laughs> yay. Um, and then like for Oktoberfest, we'll probably do something like brats. I did see, uh, I'm, not, I'm sure you're familiar with Notch out in, uh, out in Mass, out by you. They, I've, I've, uh, I've heard of them. Yeah, <laughs> just just a little bit. Actually, that was a that was kind of the other reason why we started the brewery. I went there and it was just we went to New England a couple of years ago, and I was like, I'm just going to drink all the hazy IPAs. And I we went to Notch day one, and I was like, Ah, now I just want all the lagers. Just going to drink all the lagers. Oh yeah, my god, they were uh... insane. <laughs> um. But it, you know, that's a brewery that has intent to it. Right. Um, it totally. knows what it wants to be. Mm -hmm. Um, and. It, it it sounds like you know, you all know what you want to be as well, um, and that community driven part of it. Um, do you feel like you've been able to break through? I think I I, I got ahead of myself for a second. I think a lot of the um, worry that small brewers have these days is how do I compete against the larger players or how do I compete sure. against, you know, seltzers or RTDs or whatever else is out there these days. And a lot of the times it just is getting a beer in the hands or drinking in, in the hands of somebody who's previously unfamiliar of which there are still a lot. Mm -hmm. um, have these collaborations and relationships helped bridge that 
consumer divide at all? Yeah, I would say so. We do get a lot of people, you know, from these collaborations that come in um, for the collaborations, don't necessarily drink beer. So we'll have alternative, we have a cider on always, and then we do have some non-alcoholic options. Um, so even though they might not be drinking our beer per se, um, you kind of have the word of mouth going back to where, you know, they're at a family function or something. It's like, oh, we went to NAC and they had this event um, and it was a, a cute little joint and they had yeah. a lot of stuff going on. They had a good beer list. You guys should check it out. So we do, we do get a lot of that. We're, we're strong on our vibe. That's for sure. Like, yeah, um, for sure. No TVs, no TVs. And I mean, there's definitely certain music we like to play. So we, we stay true to ourselves and most people find that homey and comfortable. Mm -hmm. um, they actually had a couple of bigger um, guests well, I guess like from Chicago, like come down and be like, man, I miss this in a brewery because they're also huge now, you know, like it's yeah. not quaint. You don't really talk to anyone. You sit at this table in this massive like warehouse, which is cool. But um, as long as, the beer's good. as long as the beer is good. But yeah, he was saying he's like, it's kind of nice just to be like a little bit like you can talk to anyone because you have to sit next to someone almost, you know. So, yeah, yeah, we do have a lot of people, you know, females specifically, and you know, there's obviously a, an inequality in the industry. There's a, a lot more guys than girls, um, but we've had a, a handful of just single ladies come in just by themselves. And Do they've it. told us like, yeah. I feel comfortable coming here. Like, like I'm safe. not going to get yeah. creeped on. Uh, I could talk to just about anyone and they're nice. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess that's, that's kind of part of um, our community involvement there is just kind of creating a safe space and making sure everyone's comfortable. And, yeah, and I guess bridging that time. gap, yeah. you know, people that don't necessarily drink beer might, have something um at us and then be like you know what actually i do like beer i did find the because you know that's what they say is people that don't like beer it's just they haven't found the right one um yeah so we're pretty heavy on that we're also from a service perspective it's super lacking in the area so we're incredibly intentional with our glassware with mm -hmm. our cleanliness of the glassware um you know our serving acumen um, and and i guess just overall knowledge gap uh, bridging the vibe that you mentioned that you've created um yeah. being an extension of yourself does that help inform who you do some of these events and collaborations with like are there are there <laughs> things that wouldn't be a fit no you know we do kind of have a, we have a sort of nitpicky thing almost. unfortunately um but i mean it's it's mostly just the young younger business owners we just want to give people opportunities so too because there's so many of the same things that happen in our community i feel like over and over so there's so many underrated like local entrepreneurs you know so we are obviously in that category so why not work together and do do you know yeah. try to find success together because so many um opportunities are given just to the same type of people I yeah feel like. and i guess anyone that's got <laughs> a good aesthetic and we feel they don't have ass things yeah um, it's typically hard workers, yeah. yeah they care about their craft no matter what that is you know and, and that's the most important somehow. thing yeah so. i really like that how do you how do you see the evolution of the events that you've been doing or what would you like to be um mm. you know thinking about as as there's yeah. the potential to do more Honestly, I think that infrastructure is probably the biggest piece. Um, yeah. You know, we're, since we're small, we have two bathrooms. We have one tap wall with 10 taps. Um, Cold rooms in the basement. Like, yeah. So well, I, I guess the big thing is just, a, you know, infrastructure from a, a consumer perspective. So, like, 
Next event will probably get porta potties because that tended. I oh, okay. I left our last event early because I was like so sick of take wait, waiting to take my kids to the bathroom in line, um, and then like you know the lines at your own place. Here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so porta potties, and then you know sorting out since we do have that patio now, um, having like a remote serving uh, area, for instance, like you know for Oktoberfest. 95% of the beers that we sold was on it was Oktoberfest. We had it our, our fest beer on the Lucre. We have two Lucres. One of them had our mainstay, which everyone tends to like, and the other one had Oktoberfest. Um, we had probably 500 people come that day. So it's just like, you know, having a, a satellite location for serving just to kind of lessen um, the burden of weight um, is something to look into. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's also important to like be as an owner, be a guest at these events and just see what is uncomfortable to you. Like, you know, for instance, that one where I was bringing my kids to the bathroom, it's like, man, it would be really nice to have more bathrooms here. I was, I was one of those. I should talk to the owner about that. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, you know, just being able to, to kind of have more creature comforts for these people. Um, Yeah. And that's all about like the learning process obviously too what we've been open for 15 months so um yeah we're just going to keep learning as we go and you just don't stop doing that I think and that's what's important yeah and then maybe just determining we've had some situations like we did a um like a black friday event with a local maker um, and we did a you know dark beer doesn't sell in america for some reason so we did a stout um and we just we we had it for like three months um I guess we just anticipated more people wanting it and it was very popular the day of, but then, you know, later on, it's like, shoot, I wish we can get rid of this because it's taken up a handle and <laughs> we've got other beer that I'd rather drink uh, downstairs. So yeah, I, I guess determining, you know, how much is enough, which I guess is kind of an impossible task, yeah. but that's that. Yeah. I, 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 I really, I like being able to talk to brewers who are, you know, being thoughtful about the overall experience and um, embracing growth and change. And, you know, it doesn't have to be, you know, huge in taking on the world, but it's, you know, that, that personal and professional growth of um, always striving to be better. Um, Mm -hmm. Cause I think it's just, it's, it, it, it really helps us as, as drinkers have a better experience. For sure. Yeah. And I mean, we don't want someone to come in, have a beer, and it'd be trash and then or yeah and then they're just like all right well and they're gonna tell all their friends like next sucks go to brixton (laughs) go somewhere else well it doesn't sound like that's gonna happen anytime soon um emily matt thanks for taking the time and being on the show this month i really appreciate it absolutely john thanks for having us we're very pleased we're tickled (laughs) what are the festivals you're looking forward to or what's a brewery that's doing cool events Tell us by emailing nano at BYO.com or better yet, tag BYO on all of the various BYO social media channels. I'll invite you to head over to BYO.com slash nano podcast. There you can subscribe to the newsletter, the magazine, and catch up with great pro brewing content. New episodes of this show are released on the 15th of every month. So subscribe now and never miss a show when it's released. And you can also do us a favor by leaving feedback on your podcast platform of choice or by emailing nano at BYO.com or checking in with us again on all of the BYO social media channels. As always, thanks to this episode's sponsors. Fermentus. 
Everybody knows that yeast plays one of the most important roles in brewing. It influences flavor, aroma, acidity, brightness, and mouthfeel all at the same time. And brewing a lager is no exception. Discover Safe Lager, W-34-70, the strong and robust lager yeast. This famous strain comes from Weinstefen in Germany and is used worldwide within the brewing industry. It brings a good balance of floral and fruity aromas and gives clean flavors and high drinkable beers. It's available in 11.5, 100, and 500 gram sizes. For more info, visit fermentus.com. We're also brought to you by ABS Commercial. ABS Commercial is proud to be your full-service industry outfitter for over 10 years, offering brew houses, tanks, keg washers, and small parts to brewers across the country. They're in this business because they are brewers, and it's important for them to give back to the industry and to help brewers grow and prosper. This summer, ABS Commercial is giving back with two special giveaway prizes every month through August. Check out what they have in store and enter to win at abs-commercial.com. Also, you can get access to hundreds of hours of on-demand videos covering small craft brewery strategies with BYO's Nano Plus membership. Learn from craft beer experts, watching replays of past NanoCon seminars, plus a complete library of in-depth workshops. You'll also have full online access to all of BYO's digital content and an annual print magazine subscription. Check out byo.com slash nanoplus for more details. I'm John Hall, and you can still find me weekly behind the microphone on the Drink Beer, Think Beer podcast from All About Beer. Find it where podcasts are found, and I hope you'll tune in. Our theme music was created by Scott McCampbell, and we thank him for that. And once again, be sure to check out byo.com slash nanopodcast for all of your nano brewing needs. And for now, we wish you all the best for a small but successful brew day. <laughs>